Welcome to Sports Rivals with Monty and Ernie. Lively, entertaining banter on sports topics you want to hear. Welcome to the Championship Weekend Edition of the Sports Rivals. I'm not sure if any of you are our regular listeners. You can tell that my voice is a little bit hoarse after the NFC Championship game. I got to tell you, folks, my heart stopped more than one occasion. Uh, it took a while. Normally, Ernie and I would record shortly after the end of the last game, but I needed an hour and a half just to get a voice back to do this, Ernie. I am ecstatic. My Rams are in the Super Bowl. You picked this in the preseason. You had my Rams going I to did. the Super Bowl. I had Kansas City and Tampa Bay. Both of my teams are now out, but I will trade being right for the Rams being in. <laughs> yeah, and I know this this is probably extra special for you because man, there was that there was a point in that game where it was 17 to 7 where in the fourth quarter that I was thinking, hmm, wonder what Monty's thinking right oh, now. Oh man, it was it was, you know, I had I had gone to the supermarket this morning and I, I told Ernie this. I'm gonna tell you guys just a quick story. I just went, you know, to get a little bit of snacks for the game, and I happened to be in the liquor section, and there was this peanut butter whiskey called Rams Point. I had never seen that before, never drank it before, but I bought it. You know, I thought that was an omen that I had to have that. <laughs> I was hoping to drink it with Ernie as a celebratory thing, but when the late, uh, when the Rams got down 17-7, I cracked that thing open, and I started <laughs> drinking for good luck, and they won. So... Guess what the Pereira household, Monty, will be drinking on Super Bowl Sunday. But Ernie, let's go first to the AFC Championship because you said last week that Mm -hmm. the Bengals were going to shock the world. Then the first half happened, right. and the, the Kansas City Chiefs went up and down at will, took a 21-3 lead just before halftime, and then the Bengals went down and scored one. And then probably the key at least momentum-wise, at the end of the second half. Tell us what you saw there. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was a very questionable decision. Five seconds left. uh, You know, the Chiefs had it at, uh, what was it, the two or three-yard line. uh, You know, with five seconds left, uh, natural thought process is you go go for the field goal. I mean, uh, five seconds, although, you know, although five seconds is five seconds, you don't want to mess around going the length of the field and in the manner that they did. I believe they only had like about a, a minute or a little over a minute. And they drive it all the way down there. Uh, Mahomes uh, shoots it out to the flat. And Tyreek Hill gets tackled. Yeah, Half I mean, over. Yeah. And that no points. three points no came points. back to haunt them. Yes. That yes. three points would have been the difference between going to overtime and possibly winning the game. So yeah. it was critical. I mean, you never want to leave points on the table. So you have a situation there where if you kick the field goal, you're up 24 to 10. You have the momentum right. back. You know, you've you've taken back the momentum after the, the Bengal touchdown. Instead, the Bengals score. They stop you. They feel great about themselves. And then the second half starts. And all of a sudden, an interception on a tip by, by Mahomes. And mm-hmm. the Bengals are right in business. Um and the rest is history. The Bengals pull off, in my opinion, a shocker, especially considering they were down 21-3. But Ernie, Joe Burrow is special. He is. He that- has it. It's only his second year. Mm-hmm. You know, he's two years removed from winning a national championship on the greatest season ever by a college quarterback. He never gets phased. I mean... Today, we're talking about, you know, he got sacked nine times last week and the Titans were just pounding him. Chris Jones was dominant again today. But for the most part, I mean, Ingram had a good stretch there. But for the most part, it was only Chris Jones. Mm -hmm. And Joe Burrow eluded him somehow a number of times to either run for a first down or find one of his receivers for a first down. And that was the difference. Last week, if the Titan first rusher didn't get him, the other four guys did. Right. This week, he found a way to escape, and escape he did. And the Bengals, the Bengals 
two years ago, the number one pick in the draft, they're now in the Super Bowl. It's incredible. Yeah, it's it is. It's a remarkable story. It, it is. I mean, and, and, and give their GM all all, all that credit for, for picking Burrow, for picking Jamar Chase, for bringing all those free agents in there, you know. Uh, none of them really superstars, really, other than their draft picks. Uh, boy, and, and they're young. They're young. I mean, even Mixon, who's... Uh, you know, uh, by by their standards, the, the seasoned veteran is is still slightly used. I mean, uh, on top of their draft picks with uh, you know Tyler Higgins, Boyd, they've got a good young core there. They do. I mean, uh, at the end of the day, they're still gonna have to find a way to protect Joe Burrow consistently because mm-hmm. that guy is the franchise, and they are set up to be. Extremely competitive. You don't want to say that the Bengals are going to get on a run here for for the next 10 years because we talked about this last week. You have Josh Allen. You still have Mahomes, Justin Herbert, and so many other people that are going to be battling. But they will certainly be in the discussion as long as Joe Burrow is there and as long as Joe Burrow is healthy because uh, just an incredible accomplishment to go from number one pick to tearing your ACL last December to now being in the Super Bowl. And if you're the Kansas City fan, you know, I think... You have to be a little bit disappointed. Four straight AFC Championship games, the fir- at home, mm-hmm. the first time you lost, but that was to Brady, and you know you can understand that the Patrick Mahomes second year in the league, first time in the playoffs, Brady got him in overtime. You can understand that. Then the last two years they went to the Super Bowl. Last year they were beat up and Tampa Bay licked them, mm-hmm. but losing this one under the circumstances up twenty-one to three. There is no other way you can paint this, but this is a stain on Patrick Mahomes. Two key interceptions, um, one that allowed them to tie the game, the other one in overtime that allowed them to take the ball down and kick the game-winning field goal. Um, but that team went on a run winning you know, 12 out of 13 down the stretch, but they lost today. And, and I just, I cannot believe that that has happened. But gotta say, it's a little bit disappointing to be Hosting an AFC Championship game four years in a row, not getting to the Super Bowl twice, and only one Super Bowl in that four-year period. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, it reminds me of, like we talked off the air, it reminds me of the Russell Wilson uh, Seattle years when the, he was paired with the Legion of Doom. And, you know, uh, back then they had all the young studs on offense and defense. Uh, they weren't able to win after that first one, and... Uh, you know, when you have all those stars, which the Kansas City Chiefs have, I mean, you can only keep so many of them when their contracts come up. And look where Seattle is now. Uh, you know, Russell Wilson uh, really wants a, an exodus from that organization as we speak. I mean, I'm not saying that's the same with Mahomes, but uh, it really showed me because I, I know that uh, Reed, Andy Reed wanted to go for the field goal uh, from, from everything that I heard during that game. Uh, it, it, it was Mahomes that wanted to go for it. I mean, I really think this harkens back to last week when they only had 13 seconds left on the clock and they drove down the field in 13 seconds to, to, to push it into overtime. So how can we not go for the end zone two yards away with five seconds left? I thought this was utter arrogance disrespecting the Cincinnati Bengals and it backfired on them. I mean, for one thing... To go for it is one thing. To go for it and hitting your 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 receiver on a flat yeah. that should have went directly through to the end zone and if anything make it incomplete where you have at least the shot of getting the three points. Yeah, I mean with five seconds left, there should have been a quick drop, one one look, one read, and then yeah. it's either there or it's not. Exactly. And if it's not there, you throw it right through the end zone, you kick the field, field goal, goal with a second exactly. left, and you're okay. Exactly. I think that one he got a little bit flustered, and that one was on Mahomes. You know, at the end of the day, Reed could have kicked the field goal, um, but Mahomes should have handled that one better, and he and he did it. And I think the Kansas City fans are just devastated right now. Um, but you got to give your hats off to the Cincinnati Bengals, mm-hmm. Joe Burrow, and that team. Zach Taylor, a disciple of Sean McVay, will now be coaching against Sean McVay. And let's shift our focus to the NFC Championship game. So. I thought the Rams, I thought Matt Stafford played well. I mean, he did get a break late in the game when he threw that bomb, that tart just dropped. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think he had some hard luck. I mean, early on, we drove down the field. We're at the two-yard line. A pick, yeah. you know, a tip that yeah. results in an interception, yeah. which was very, very disappointing. 
We stop them. We get the ball at the two-yard line, a 97-yard drive on 18 plays. Cooper Cup, Rams go up 7-0. Just to have the 49ers come right back on a 45-yard screen to Debo Samuel to tie the game back up. Then the Rams go all the way back down the field. Uh, Cooper Cup drops one in the <laughs> middle of the field mm-hmm. where he could have possibly scored. I think there was a scored. lot of space there. Yeah, there was. Um, and then two plays later, literally Ben Skoranek in the end zone dropped the touchdown. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we end up trying for a 54-yard field goal with Matt Gay is clearly not right. He's way off on that. We didn't make it. They kick a field goal before halftime. They go up 10-7. It was reminiscent of three weeks ago where they scored right before the half, and then they got the ball to start the second half. Uh, The Rams stopped them, but the Rams kept going down the field and just one punt the whole game. Mm -hmm. The Rams punted one time the whole game, yet still only mustered 20 points to end the game. 49ers go up 17-7 to on a Kittle touchdown. It didn't look good. It came to the fourth quarter. As I already told you guys, the peanut butter whiskey bottle got cracked <laughs> open at that point in time. But I still was hopeful. Uh, Matt Stafford led the drive down. Cooper Cup touchdown made it 17-14. They found a way to get two field goals to end the game. And then finally, um, Aaron Donald makes the play at the end. And, and Jimmy G is Jimmy G. Just kind of fl- flips the ball in desperation. And then the end of the game right there. So give me your thoughts you know, from an objective standpoint. Because I certainly will admit I am far from objective uh, when it comes to this game as a huge Rams fan. But from, from somebody who's not necessarily a Ram fan. Mm-hmm. What did you see in this game? I mean, I, I thought it played out as, you know, other than the score, I was, uh, I was surprised that they were down in, at the half, but I, I, I thought the game played out how I thought it was going to go out with the Rams, you know, being, uh, you know, the superior offense, you know. Uh, obviously, even though the score reflected uh, was in favor of the 49ers, the, the Rams had tremendous time of possession yeah it was 20 uh, minutes to 10 minutes yeah. in the first half it, 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 it was ridiculous on top of it and i really i really thought that was a, a byproduct of the six prior meetings i really think that the rams players have the 49ers in their head uh and they have to uh every possession every play is basically uh added pressure on them for them to perform and when they don't they just fold where the 49ers, the way that they started off, you know, uh, uh, very poorly and then winning the last 9 out of 11 games. I mean, they were basically on house money. They were very loose. Uh, Debo Samuels did his Debo Samuels kind of thing. But I really thought that the whatever Aaron Donald said after it became 17-7, he, brought the, he, he was on the sidelines... He brought the entire defense to him, and he laid it out. He, I mean, he had one of those. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know if he, he does this on a regular basis, but you could tell he was very, very passionate about whatever type of speech. And from then on, 49ers did not score. Yeah, and the defense you know? played real well. And they, I mean, they, they stopped them. They yeah, stopped them multiple times. Right. The last interception is what Jimmy G is going to get criticized for. But it, I mean, that would have been fourth in like twenty five. Right. So he was trying to make yeah, a play. It, 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 exactly. But I, I thought it really showed when Debo Samuel's got that pass and he was nailed. Oh, I can't even remember the player. And and they threw a flag and it was a legal hit. Yeah. That showed. What did Aaron Donald? Say to these guys, because again, from that point on, that set the tone for that defense. And I really thought at that point it was uh, the Rams, you know, that's, that, that was the momentum shift in my opinion. I, 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 I don't think the Rams come back from this deficit if Aaron Donald doesn't have that speech. You know what? You're probably right because the defense shut it down from that point on i mean they had a you know it was close it was that and you know what sean mcveigh love him to death 
But man, the two challenges that Terrible. he had in that second Terrible. half were just <laughs> ludicrous, in my opinion. I mean, he challenged the Matt Stafford um, when he was clear to me that he was short. It's yeah. certainly nothing definitive that was going to get yeah. reversed. Yeah. And then on that fourth and two, we're going to get the ball back anyway on a punt. And, and it just made no sense. Thank God that it didn't come back to haunt us. But we gave away two timeouts there. And that was just not the right thing to do. But they did stop them. Uh, they punted, and their offense did enough. I mean, we came right down the field. Of course, the 49ers stepped up, Bosa with a sack to make us kick right. a field goal. I was hoping to punch it in, um, but the defense did enough. I mean, yeah. Von Miller, uh, great gains, and, of course, Aaron Donald making the key play there at the end yeah. to get the interception. Um, but I was super happy. I was, I was proud. I was happy for Matt Stafford because... He played well. I mean, he made play after play. Odell Beckham had 120 oh, he, yards he almost. Cooper Cup had another huge game. We lost Tyler Higby early in the game. Cam Akers got hurt, went into the locker room with a shoulder. Van Jefferson's knee was bothering him, but he came back and Akers came back. And it was no injuries unless it was really catastrophic was going to keep people out of the game. Yeah. Trent Williams for the 49ers played with a high ankle sprain, just gutting it out. Uh, it was a brutal, brutal game. But I got to tell you, I haven't been this nervous. I was, I was telling Ernie about a professional sports game in years like this one. And I think the biggest reason for that is I did not want to lose for the seventh time in a row to the 49ers. And especially with 65% of the fans at SoFi cheering for the 49ers. <laughs> I just find that to be so irritating and so repulsive. Um, but it was what it was, and I think the Rams were better prepared this time. They probably didn't like it, but they were better prepared to deal with it this time. And they went down, they scored a touchdown to make it 17-14, a field goal to tie it, another field goal to win it. Um, and now they get to play the Super Bowl in SoFi in two weeks against the Bengals. And the Rams have opened as a three-and-a-half-point favorites. We'll break down the Super Bowl in next week's show. Mm-hmm. Um but for now, I will relish in the fact that the Rams are in another Super Bowl. For you 49er fans, and there are a lot of 49er fans where we record this, um, you've been to nine Super Bowls and you've won five already. We've won one. We've won. I'm 52 years old. I have one championship. Uh, I'm hopeful that the Rams will finally get off the schneid and win a second. If for any other reason than to get Aaron Donald his first ring. Yeah, that would be that would be really nice for him. And if, if, again, if whatever he said motivated that defense, because that was uh, to me that was a that was a turning point. That was very much a turning point. I I was almost ready to say, boy, I don't know if we're going to be able to do this podcast with uh, you know if Monty puts a gun to his head yeah. after this game. <laughs> I'm going to call it sick. <laughs> Oh, but but the Super Bowl is now set. I was ecstatic. It was it was fun at the end of the game. Like I said, I needed a couple hours to get some kind of a voice back. I know I still sound hoarse, but I'll take it. The Rams are in the Super Bowl at SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles in two weeks. But Ernie, we talked a little bit. I want to transition away from the actual games. We talked a little bit about Patrick Mahomes, mm-hmm. and maybe this is a little bit disappointing that They've only won one in the last four years and have only been to two of the last four Super Bowls considering. Right. But I wanted to shift our focus to the Green Bay Packers because I think a lot has been said that Aaron Rodgers has been one of the best regular season quarterbacks of all time. Definitely. But he's failing to get it done yeah. uh, in the postseason. And mm-hmm. I, I think that you really can't make an argument against that. And I think one of the reasons for that may be that Aaron Rodgers, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, last four years, 136 touchdowns, only 15 interceptions. And I think sometimes he's overly cautious, trying not to make a turnover that he can be a little bit too conservative. And I think that's what happened with the San Francisco 49ers. But I want to look bigger picture. In the last 30 years, the Green Bay Packers have had either Hall of Famer Brett Favre or likely sure Hall of Famer Um, Aaron Rodgers who's likely to win his fourth MVP so Mm -hmm. between the two seven MVPs 30 years of Hall of Fame quarterbacking only two Two Super Super Bowl Bowl. championships one for Brett Favre 
and one for Aaron Rodgers. Brett mm-hmm. Favre went to two straight Super Bowls, winning one, losing one. Aaron Rodgers went to two Super Bowls, winning one, losing one. But in 30 years with those two quarterbacks, you got to think that's disappointing for the Green Bay Packers to only have two championships. That's yeah. my thought. What yeah. do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, uh, you'd, you'd have to think back into the, the era that uh, all of this happened. I mean, uh, when Brett Favre... Uh, had his thing going. I mean, he had to deal with uh, the Dallas Cowboys and the San Francisco 49ers. And in my opinion, during that during that era, those were the two teams that were actually uh, more likely, or, or I would say, you know, pundits' uh, preference to actually win the Super Bowl. So, so for them to have to actually, you know, have two Super Bowl champions during that era, uh, it's on par with me. I, I I would I would I would have to believe. I mean, it, it, it's one thing if those two other teams were on the AFC side, but those two teams were on the NFC side. Yeah, I mean, I I, I know that they played against strong teams, but you're talking about if you go back to Brett Favre's teams, you're looking at, you're not only talking about Brett Favre, but you're talking about Sterling Sharp, you're right. talking about Reggie White, right. you're talking about Charles Woodson, you're talking about Hall of Famer after Hall of Famer. Right. On those teams. So I think just winning one of the two and losing to a Bronco team that they should not have lost to mm. in John Elway's swan song. They should not have lost that game to them, but they did. And then with Aaron Rodgers, I think the disappointing part is not that they lost one of their Super Bowl um, you know, games. I think it's the fact that he's not been back. Yeah. You know, he has not been that back is, in me, such a long time. That is more surprising. 39 wins the last three years. The number one seed two of the last three years. And they didn't get out of the divisional round this year. I mean, that has to be disappointing. And this is coming from somebody who's a huge Packer fan, mm-hmm. a far fan. Aaron Rodgers is probably my favorite quarterback of all time other than Kurt Warner. Um, until recently. Mm-hmm. But I, I just thought that was just worth bringing up, especially when you compare it to somebody like a Tom Brady, right. who's been to 10 Super Bowls, who's won seven Super Bowls virtually by himself. Right. If you put him on that Packer team with all the talent, Tom Brady would have won the same seven, I think, because he won seven championships with far less talent. Mm-hmm. Let's face it. Tom Brady's most talented team he ever had. They lost the Super Bowl. Yeah, right. With they Moss. lost a heartbreaker right, with Moss. With Moss, they lost a heartbreaker to the Giants when he had his best possible team. Yeah, actually, but both. he found ways to win with lesser teams. That 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 could be true. I mean, is it is it coaching too? I mean, Belichick was was paired with him, but then then again, you have to, you know, it, it it's it's hard to say. You bring up a good point because there are questions to, you know, Aaron had, you know, Mike McCarthy for a long time right. and there are still questions to see how good of a coach he yeah, is. I so certainly Belichick did help. Yeah. Um, but then Tom Brady went to Tampa and won with them. Right. You know, so right. there's there's a little bit more for that. I'm not I'm not saying that Brett Favre is not a Hall of Famer. Of course, Aaron Rodgers is a Hall of Famer. I just think that with those caliber quarterbacks over it's, a 30 year period with the players that they have surrounding them and the culture of football and the passion of the Green Bay Packer fans. I just think two championships is. is a little disappointing. It is. Considering it's. what has been won by the Cowboys over that period of time, right. by the 49ers over that period of time, right. uh, by the Patriots, and even your Steelers won, you know, two in Ben Roethlisberger's time. Right, right. You know, so Ben Roethlisberger has more, more uh, world championships than Aaron Rodgers does. Mm-hmm. And I would think we both would agree, even as a Steeler fan, Aaron Rodgers yeah. has had the better yeah. career, yeah. at least statistically, no, but he may never get that second world championship. No, and it's gonna be it's it, it's gonna be hard. I don't think this reiteration of, I mean, as we as we uh, talked about this subject, I was thinking on the back of my head is that uh, you know although he Aaron Rodgers has had tremendous statistical seasons uh, during a regular season, uh, it's really those times where what are his stats during postseason. I know for a fact. Tom Brady, even though he falls behind, uh, statistically behind Aaron Rodgers during the regular season, I would venture to bet that his postseason stats beat Aaron oh, yeah. Rodgers. There's no doubt it beats him. Statistically, it beats him. Yeah. And in on, the on, most important way, wins and losses, he yeah. beats him. I mean, Aaron yeah. Rodgers, I think, is 11-10 and 10 in the playoffs. Yeah. For somebody who's the greatest 
Some people consider the greatest physical talent quarterback of all time to be 11 and 10 in the playoffs when so many of those games are at home. And again, with talented people around them, a little disappointing, Mm -hmm. a little disappointing. And that's coming from an Aaron Rodgers fan. But sometimes you just got to speak the truth. No, 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 no. It, 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 it's, it's perplexing. I, I mean, I, 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 can see, I, I can see your point in regards to, to him versus Brett Favre. I, I mean, you mentioned all those uh, Hall of Famers that played with Brett Favre, but I could bring up uh, Steve Young. I could bring up Joe Montana. Mm-hmm. I could bring up Troy Aikman. I could bring up Emmitt Smith, you know, on those 49ers and, and uh, uh, Dallas teams. And, you know, there's, there, there's, uh, there's talent galore out there. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, as far as those two quarterbacks, I mean, if if we ran uh, a Madden type of thing where uh, this would play out over and over and over again, they I, would win more. They than would. Two they would win more than yeah. two, in my opinion. Yeah. So we'll get a lot more into the Aaron Rom- Aaron Rodgers drama. Does he stay in Green Bay? Where does he end up? We'll talk about that a little bit more after the Super Bowl as we get closer to free agency. He has made the commitment that he will make a decision on whether he wants to be traded or not before free agency starts, to be fair to the Packers. So we have some time to do that. But Ernie, I want to switch to this. Mm-hmm. Um, shocking news for most people last week when Sean Payton stepped down mm. from the New Orleans Saints with three years left on his contract. Mm-hmm. So it's not, you know, some people speculate that he was just stepping down so he could go coach Dallas or somebody else, but he can't. I mean, he still has a three years left on his contract. So if he's going to coach anywhere else... There's going to have to be a trade that's made to give value to allow him to coach somewhere else. Right. But my understanding is the chatter has been he's been under tremendous amount of stress. It's been very, very stressful the last five years. Um, and there are clamorings that a lot of the networks want him to be on TV. Exactly. And I think what we've seen is you can make a lot of money on TV without any of the physical and mental stress that these coaches go through. So, yeah. um, But that added another team to the list of teams that we're looking for for head coaches so going into this week there were nine coaching vacancies now four of them have been filled Mm -hmm. you know we had um the today just today josh mcdaniels is expected to be named the the head coach of the raiders right uh yesterday brian dabble uh dable from the buffalo bills offensive coordinator got the gig in in new york with the giants uh, and then you had the Bears hiring Matt Eberflus. Uh, yeah, the the Colts defensive coordinator, and then you also had the Broncos ha- uh, hiring Nathaniel, Nathaniel Hackett, Hackett. Green Bay's offensive coordinator. I think in hopes of getting Aaron Rodgers to follow. What I wanted to do, Ernie, is not necessarily talk about these coaching positions, mm-hmm. but of the nine teams. What job do you think would be the most attractive if you were a head coach that could pick the job? So here are the teams that that are looking for coaches or were looking for coaches. Miami, the Raiders, the Vikings, the Texans, the Jaguars, the Broncos, the Bears, the Giants, and the New Orleans Saints. So taking a look at these nine teams, what do you think would be the most attractive job? If you were a head coach, which of these nine would you pick to be the head coach of? I mean, it's it's it really would be be the dependent. I mean, realistic. If if it was just uh, you know from the top of my head, I, I I would think okay, which team has the the best chance of uh, you know making it to the Super Bowl? Uh, and I mean, you you'd look at the Raiders who 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 made it to the playoffs. Uh, you're you know you're looking at uh, well, basically that's. That's basically it. It was it was just the Raiders. But you want to look at okay, who do I have coming back? Who can I develop? I mean, Houston, uh, not really. Well, you know, with with Deshaun Watson, most likely gone. I yeah, mean, I think Houston to me is the last yeah, choice. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. mean, the ownership is a mess. There's a mess in the Deshaun Watson situation. To me, they would be number nine in my book. Yeah, I mean, and, and then you look at you look at Miami. Miami's had that uh, had that horde of draft picks. I don't I don't know if they uh, you know did well with them. I mean, only time will tell. I mean, something has to be. Uh, you'd have to believe in their ownership if you wanted really that job because they chose the general manager you know over their head coach when that be, when that came to a head i mean they're they're they were butting heads in regards to you know them uh surrounding uh you know that team with 
with talent and it just hasn't uh you know come to fruition although you know Miami's second half was definitely better than their first half I mean they they had a good they had a good run at the end I it would come down to those teams either Miami or the Raiders I mean, I, I would agree so I, I ranked mine one through nine but let's go through this just real quick I don't want to spend the uh, the entire show on this but I think it's interesting uh it's it's an interesting discussion for me I have Miami one now the only reason I have Miami one is because they have draft draft capital. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did finish the season strong. Mm-hmm. I think you and I agree that we have a little bit more faith in Tua Tonga-Vailoa than many do. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think there are many that have their serious doubts. Um, but I think Tua in the NFL has never really had a chance. I don't think Brian Flores wanted him. I think it became clear that Brian Flores always wanted to dra- draft Justin Herbert and when they did not do that, they took Tua. I think he was angry at that. And Tua never really had a chance. Mm-hmm. I mean, from the very beginning, he never really had a chance. I mean, Fitzpatrick was the quarterback. And when Tua went in, if anything bad were to happen, he would get yanked. Um, but I think Miami has enough talent on the defensive side of the ball. And Tua and Waddle and a ton of draft picks that I find that to be pretty attractive. Now, my only concern is ownership has not been really solid, mm-hmm. you know, recently. And I think they would have to bring in an offensive-minded coach to help develop Tua. So that Miami would be my one, barely over the Raiders. And I think with the Raiders, of all of all these teams, you have the most proven quarterback. Right. Derek Carr is the most proven quarterback. And for them to go 10-7 and seven with all the turmoil they went through this year, I think mm-hmm. was incredible. Josh Jacobs is a solid running back. Max Crosby is a, is a developing superstar mm-hmm. on the defensive side of the ball. They have some pieces. So I find that to be relatively attractive. The Broncos would be number three. They're a quarterback away. Their defense is strong. You know, offensively, you have Javante Williams now in the back in the backcourt with Melvin Gordon. You have three good wide receivers. You have Noah Font as a defensive, I mean, as a tight end. Mm-hmm. Um, you have a decent offensive line. You are a quarterback away from being a real difference maker. The only problem with the Broncos and the Raiders is that division is going to be brutal for the next few years. And then I have Jacksonville four. Now they they may have had a terrible season, tremendous amount of turmoil. But again, I hearken back to the fact that Trevor Lawrence is one of the four highest rated quarterbacks in history. We didn't see that this year, but if he is, that's a lot to start working with. So that's a that's a coaching position that has not yet been taken. Mm-hmm. Byron Leftwich apparently was going to take it, but he doesn't want to work with the current GM. Wanted to bring his own GM in. Um, that has not happened yet, and so now he's looking at the Saints. But I have, just because of Trevor Lawrence, Jacksonville 4, the Vikings 5. They have a lot of talent on that team. They may get rid of Kirk Cousins. There is a lot of talent there. The Bears, you have Justin Fields. Although, surprisingly, they went with another defensive coach. So unless the defensive coach brings in a very good offensive coordinator... I'm not sure Justin Fields is going to get the development that he would want. Mm-hmm. And then the Giants would be seven for me. I do still think they have pieces in place. Saquon Barkley has never stayed healthy. Their wide receiver core was a mess this year, but they have talent. I mean, from Galladay to Tony to Shepard to Ingram, their offensive line is a mess. But defensively, they have some good pieces. But I think Daniel Jones, when he got concussed by the Cowboys in week seven or eight, he was never the same. Um, and you know that, I mean, you, you help coach my daughter that once you get concussed, it's hard to come back mm-hmm. if the concussion is bad. And mm-hmm. he was never the same. And he never came back. He mm-hmm. came back for one game and then he missed the rest of the year. I don't think he's had a fair shot. I think Brian Dable, look at what that guy has done with Josh Allen. Now, I think Josh Allen has a lot more talent right. than Daniel Jones. But I think Daniel Jones needs a shot. And then surprisingly, I think to many, I have the Saints as the second worst position. The reason for that, they have no quarterback. You have Jameis Winston coming off an ACL. You have Taysom Hill, who's much more of a slash than he is a quarterback. Mm-hmm. And you have massive cap issues because your defensive side of the ball makes an exorbitant amount of money. So you have no quarterback, uh, an aging running back. And you're way over the cap. That is not a recipe for a lot of success, which is probably why Sean Payton yeah, said, yeah. I'm up and exactly. out of here. Exactly. I'm not going to want to deal with that. So that's kind of how I take a look at that. I'm not sure if you agree or disagree with anything or anything that you find faulty in, in that assessment. Um, but I agree with you. I think Miami and Raiders at this point would be the two most 
um, advantageous jobs to, to, to seek. Mm-hmm. I'm actually a little surprised that Miami didn't have a plan in place. And I'm actually surprised that somebody hasn't snapped up Brian Flores. I mean, the guy can coach, but maybe he was... Maybe his personality is hard to it, handle. It, it, you know, it's it's, it's, it's got to be, be that. It's got to be that because the guy can coach, yeah. but he must be hard to deal with, and people are not wanting to do that. Now, four of the nine positions have been taken. Um, so far, none of them by any African-American coaches, although Byron Leftwich is supposed to be getting one of these jobs. So I think he's going to be there. And there's some there are some others that are still yeah. out there as potentials. Yeah, but, um, the enemy. Be enemy that might get get a look now, though he's not getting too many interviews. Um, so we'll we'll see how things fall. But Josh McDaniels turned down the coats a few years back. You know what that kind of tells me? Because he was supposed to be the coach in waiting in the, in New England. Mm-hmm. Belichick must not be close to retiring. <laughs> I mean, he is seventy, but he must be saying, you know what, I want to coach another three to five years. And and McDaniels are like, you know what, heck though. And then McDaniels may be thinking. I get to work with Derek Carr or Mac Jones. You know, which one can I get further? And I think he's probably more excited about Derek Carr than yeah. he would be about Mac Jones. I, I, I would. I, I would be. I think. Uh, I think Mac Jones just fits Belichick's system. Derek Carr is, in my opinion, still the the more talented uh, individual on that place. And, and we can't forget. I mean, the, there's three other teams out there who who have not who. There's rumblings out there that they might fire their coach. I mean, you have Seattle with Pete Carroll. I mean, who do you pick? That's another power struggle over there. You want you, you want Russell Wilson to leave, or you want Pete Carroll? Uh, Carolina with Matt Rule. I mean, they haven't uh, they haven't done very well over there. Is it time to move on? And then you have Dallas. I mean, the, very disappointing. You bring in Mike, uh, Mike McCarthy from the Green Bay Packers. I mean, you have this. You have a very, in my opinion, one of more talented. Uh, uh, rosters in the NFL, all all of the Cleveland Browns, you know, they get destroyed in the playoffs, first round, one and done. Uh, Mike McCarthy is probably, if he's not fired, he's on the hot seat. Well, this week, I think Jerry Jones came out and said that the coaches are staying. They got Dan Quinn to, to agree to come back and, and Mike McCarthy is going to stay. So I think that one is probably safe. On the Matt Rule side, I, th- I still believe the guy can coach. Um but you throw your eggs in the Christian McCaffrey basket and that guy did not pan out. He hasn't been healthy in two years and that's going to be a problem. Mm-hmm. I'm hearing though, because Jim Harbaugh has been asked to interview at a couple of positions, that Matt Rule is interested in the Michigan job if Jim Harbaugh leaves. Uh, and that just makes a lot of sense. He had tremendous success at Baylor. Um, and he may be another young coach that goes to the NFL and be like, man, I'd rather have college. <laughs> college seems a lot safer. So that would make that would make sense that if Harbaugh came, that Matt Rule went there. And you could be right. Carolina could be looking at a coach. But right now, they don't have a quarterback, you know, because Darnold has not proven to be mm-hmm. the answer. McCaffrey has not proven to be able to stay healthy. Um, so they're in a they're they're in a situation similar to many of these other middle of the pack teams. So I just thought it was an interesting discussion to to evaluate the nine teams and which jobs would be you know if I had a choice or if Ernie had a choice to go and coach one of these teams, what team would we take? So that'd be a great opportunity for you guys to share with us as well. You know, of these nine openings, what team would you want to coach? You can share that at social media on Sports Rivals Podcast on IG and Facebook Sports Rivals Pod on Twitter. But Enough NFL talk, a lot of NFL talk. Ernie, let's switch our focus to the NBA. Okay. The All-Star starters, we alluded to that last week in my closing thought. They were announced. No changes to the voting. Uh, Andrew Wiggins sneaks in uh, as the, the third front court player. Uh, LeBron and KD were the high point getters, so they're going to be the, the drafters again for the two teams. Mm-hmm. Nothing surprising that we have to discuss after what we discussed last week. Again, when it gets closer to the game, maybe next week we'll put together who we believe should be on the team to fill out the roster. That'll be part of next week's show along with the Super Bowl preview. But let's talk a little bit about the NBA. I mean, Jason Tatum seems to be getting his legs under him again. Had a really good week. The Celtics had a couple of impressive wins, Mm -hmm. uh, albeit over junk teams. Um, But they're back over 500. What are your your thoughts on your Celtics going into the... The All Star Weekend. Uh, I, I I still think that they're a fringe playoff team. I mean, nothing to it, nothing has shown me other than the fact that uh, Marcus Smart comes comes back from his back from his uh, injury and to fortify you know that starting lineup. 
uh, when he's back in there, I mean, that, that's, that's a top five defense. I mean, and, and you get a good defensive uh, team out there, and it always keeps you in the game. just matters on if you're actually uh, hitting the shots or not. Or, or not. And, and the games that they lose, it's when Tatum is off. Is, is off. Yeah. The, the problem is, is uh, he tries to uh, use other, par- other facets of his game to help, but he still takes shots. He tries to shoot them himself out of that of slump, mm-hmm. as well as Jalen Brown. You know, and then and that's how they get the that's how they lose to these mediocre teams. You well, know? right now, the if I'm not mistaken, the Celtics are in the ninth position in the in the East right now, although they are over 500. But what's odd, Ernie, is is last week you said you know you believe that the Nets are going to drop down to like the five position. Right now, they're six. Yeah. But from one to six, there's only two and a half games, and from one to nine, if I'm not mistaken, it's still only like six games. So the Celtics may be in the ninth spot, but there's six games out of the one spot in the East. So the East is super compacted right, right now. It is. And with Katie out for another month or so, um, and Kyrie only able to play on the road, and everybody else with some injuries and some banged up or resting players, uh, I think the East is going to stay cluttered all the way down the stretch. It is, because it's surprising that uh, you know the Milwaukee Bucks have, have come back down to earth. I mean, they've been playing 500 ball over the last two, three weeks. Uh, you know, Philadelphia has gotten up there. Miami has been very impressive. I think they deserve the number one spot yeah, right Bam now. Yeah, Bam Adebayo is back, and they're, they're yeah. relatively healthy right it, it, now. Exactly. Chicago is... Uh, Zach Levine is back, so they're healthy again. Uh, yeah, he well, he, he got hurt again. So he's. I think he's gone for another two... Uh, two Another two or three games. They lost Caruso because yeah, of... Yeah, Caruso's a big deal. He is, he is. As a Laker fan... You now realize the intangibles that Alex Caruso brought to the Lakers the last couple of years. And he's a, he, he's, you don't think he is until he's not there. And then you see the results change. Oh, yes, definitely. Definitely. And on a cheap shot from the, uh, my most hated player in the NBA, Grayson Allen. I mean, I, you I, know what Grayson Allen reminds me of? Danny Ainge. Danny Ainge, you got it. Even I have Ernie Coach now. He even knows how to answer the questions. <laughs> he is, he's no, like a modern day Danny he's, Ainge. He's not a Danny Ainge. He's worse than Danny. Yeah, he's Ainge. so much better than Danny Ainge. He has so much more class. <laughs> Grayson Allen should be punked. Yeah, and I, I mean, and I, 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 I hope, I, I hope it. I, I mean, I, I don't wish anything bad, but that guy has. Bad juju all over him. I mean, I, I I seen that, I seen this guy come in during summer league, and try to intentionally foul players using all his might. Yeah, you know? I mean he's had issues from back in the Duke days where he oh, was yeah. suspended back there. He has an edge to him, so he's definitely one that is not a fan favorite for sure. Yeah. So in the West, nothing really has changed. Um, you still have the Phoenix Suns, red hot. Devin Booker is playing a lot better, really asserting himself now. Steph Curry still struggling from the field. I mean, Draymond is still out, but they're trying to find a way to stay relatively close. But this has been the worst shooting stretch of Steph Curry's career. Um, it's going to be interesting to see, can he turn it around? I think he will. He's too good. And I think once their depth comes back, he'll be able to rest a little bit more. Um, and he'll, he'll be fine. My Lakers... LeBron is playing out of his mind. He's missed the last three games with a swollen knee. He leaves a, the trip, comes home. Lakers are now 24 and 27. They mm-hmm. go two and four on a road trip. Um, but like your Celtics, we're still in the ninth spot. So, mm-hmm. you know, we may be under 500, but we're still there. The encouraging thing of this week, though, has been the play of Anthony Davis. He outplayed Joel Embiid the other night. Mm-hmm. I mean, he gave Joel Embiid fits. And then he got hurt, so he sat out the Charlotte Hornet game. Without LeBron, without AD, the Lakers lose by two. They had a chance there. And then today, they led the Hawks by nine points going into the fourth quarter, but they run out of gas and they lose. But AD looks better than I've seen AD look since the finals two years ago. So if he can stay healthy and play like this, and if LeBron can come back, the Lakers can make a move Though I don't think they have enough to pass 
Phoenix or Golden State or any one of those top teams. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just it kind of it's a microcosm. I mean, AD is out for forever. LeBron goes on one of the biggest tears of his life. AD comes back and now LeBron's out. You know, so they cannot stay healthy. They cannot all play together at the same time. So as far as I'm concerned, uh, the West is still the same. There's nothing really dramatic there. I still believe right now, if I had to pick between the two of our teams, your Celtics have a better chance to go on a run and sneak in as an Eastern Conference chap than my Lakers do, despite the fact that we have LeBron and AD. Until they prove that they can play together and stay mm-hmm. healthy, mm-hmm. I just don't think it's going to happen. You yeah, know? I mean, so yeah, yeah. That, that, that's something that's... Uh, I'm dealing with mentally. Yeah, but that equation leaves out Russell Westbrook, and I think that that's the main part of that that equation that uh, doesn't really work. I mean, we've seen LeBron and AD win a an NBA title in the bubble. I mean that, but Russell Westbrook is just. Although Russell Westbrook against the Hornets the other night was the first Laker since Kobe to have 30 points and a half. <laughs> and, you know, he brought him all the way back in that second half. But again. That's because LeBron wasn't there, right. you know? So it's assimilating all of these talents that that are hard. So I have my doubts about my Lakers. Uh, Phoenix really looks to be asserting themselves yep. and is playing really, really well. So we'll talk more NBA next week. Couple of more things. One more thing before I turn it over to Ernie. We're trying to touch, although it is Super Bowl in the NFL, we're at the, you know, over halfway done in the NBA. I did want to touch a little bit on the Baseball Hall of Fame vote from this week. Okay. It was the last year on the ballot for players like Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens. And as we all know by now, there was one player that got in. It was David Ortiz, who had 77% of the vote. Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens got 60-plus percent, and they were, not elim- they were not elected into the Hall. Meaning, they will never be in the Hall of Fame unless the Veterans Committee lets them in. Mm -hmm. I wanted your thoughts on whether or not Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens specifically are Hall of Fame players. I think I I I that's easy for me. I think both are Hall of Fame players. I think the the shroud that surrounds them right now, uh, you know, in regards to uh performance enhancing drugs, uh isn't play obviously isn't play with all this, but if if you took Barry Bonds career prior to to all of this, he's a Hall of Famer. You took uh, Clemens' uh, career prior to uh, you know uh, all of this. He's a Hall of Famer. Yeah, and that's my problem. You know, when you take about when you talk about the famous uh, steroid era type players or the players that have gotten the that have been penalized the most, Clemens, Bonds, Rafael Palmero, Manny Ramirez. Uh, especially Mark McGuire, Wire, Sammy Sosa, Sosa etc. Yeah. I understand, you know, Rafael Pomero could have been on PEDs his whole career. I get that. Mark McGuire, um, he had some success before, but he was predominantly a home run hitter that exploded after the PED. Sammy Sosa was pedestrian before PEDs, and then he exploded. So that I get. But in Bonds and Kemen's Clemens cases, you alluded to that. And I jotted down some statistics. This is Barry Bonds' stats before Balco, before he was suspected of PEDs. Mm-hmm. So even if you ended his career before that and you just took these numbers, 411 home runs, 445 stolen bases, eight consecutive gold gloves, three National League MVPs, clearly at that point, He's a Hall of Famer. Yeah, yeah. So he's getting penalized for the fact that the back half of his career, he was alleged to use PEDs, which he probably did yeah, use. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Let, let's say he probably did that. So even if he didn't do that and he had a tapering off career, he still would have ended up projected wise with over 500 home runs, 500 stolen bases, and who knows how many MVPs. He was mm-hmm. still relatively young. So to me... It is a shame that Barry Bonds is not in the Hall of Fame. You put him in the Hall of Fame, even if you want to put asterisk, an asterisk, asterisk there exactly. to say that he was allegedly accused of PEDs. He deserves to be there. Exactly. Roger Clemens, this is his statistics before uh, his suspected drug use. Four Cy Young Awards, a record of 213 wins and 118 losses, and an MVP. 
So four Cy Youngs, one MVP, 213 wins, a 666 winning percentage. He's a Hall of Famer. Yes. You know, he's a Hall of Famer. So to me, those two players should be lock Hall of Famers. And I think we're doing just a complete disservice not to have them there. Just like Pete Rose. Yeah. Pete Rose should be in the Hall of Fame as a player. But you want to put an asterisk to say, as a manager, he did this. And I have a whole section there explaining what he did wrong. That's fine. But as a player, Rose is a Hall of Famer. Bonds before PEDs and Clemens before PEDs are Hall of Famers. Now, the last thing is, how many players were they playing against that were also on PEDs? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it's not like Barry Bonds was, was hitting against all people who weren't on PEDs. He hit against Roger Clemens and some of the others. You know, so how many players? We'll never know. But to penalize someone, if you want to throw out, like I said, their Balco stat days on, mm -hmm. just go on what they did before that. It's a travesty that they're not in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, it is. And, and you stole my thunder on top of that. I was waiting for for uh, me to sneak in. in there. But it, it's it's Pete Rose. Pete Rose set the precedence on top of that. Now, it, it, if there would be so much clamor if Bonds got in, if Clemens got in, and Pete Rose still stayed out. This is not choosing one person to get into the Hall of Fame. This is choosing all the ghosts of the past that fall into that category. And I don't think Major League Baseball is ready for that. Yeah, you know what? I, I, there's some good and bad. I, I do think that because of the way baseball treats their Hall of Fame, it is the most prestigious Hall of Fame there is. Yeah, because you don't... In the NFL, exactly. you know that there's going to be five or six exactly. players every single exactly. year. Um, in baseball, it's a little bit harder. But I do think that with some of that comes a little bit of arrogance uh, and a little bit of... It's too much power for some of these writers. Right. I, and sometimes I just don't understand. Like, to me, you're a Hall of Famer or you're not. You know, so these guys that don't get in their first time, you know, their first year, they only have like 20% of the vote. And then eventually in their 10th year, they get 75%. They didn't do anything in that 10-year period to get 55% more of the vote. You're a Hall of Famer or you're not, you know. So I get it if there's 10 people, you can only vote for 10. But how often do you have 10 guys that are warranted you know, of being in the Hall of Fame. So I, I do think that although they have a lot of prestige and, and the, there's a lot of stigma that goes with the Baseball Hall of Fame, I do think that it's probably a little bit too much. And in this particular case, especially Bonds and Clemens in this class, but Pete Rose from years past, it's a travesty that those three players are not in as players, even with asterisks, and tell the story. Because you can't ignore that the PED era happened in baseball exactly. you can't ignore it so tell the story within the hall that these players played and their stats that we're going to recognize are pre peds mm -hmm. and just get them in there with those stats if that's what you want to do but that's not what happened now they're gonna to have to rely on the veterans committee so they may never get in which yeah, is uh which is a shame it is and if they do get in maybe uh I can't remember the word after after they pass on. Oh, posthumous? Yeah. Posthumous. Yeah, I can't remember it too. Hey, that's four cups of the peanut butter whiskey. <laughs> but, 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 but in any case, I, I, I agree with you on top of that one. I, mean, I just thought it was worth bringing up. I mean, as much as we're talking about football and we want to talk about the NBA, our Lakers and Celtics, we can't ignore the fact that the Hall of Fame vote came out. Two of the greatest players of our lifetimes. Right, right. Uh, and now their 10 years are up and now they're going to have to see whether or not they ever get in. So... Enough about that. Let's shift our focus back to you, Ernie. Where are you going with your closing thought? Well, it's 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 not official right now, but I mean, it's most likely that Tom Brady uh, has played his last game. Yeah, and the Rams just put him into retirement. <laughs> it looks like <laughs> maybe, but I think he's had he's had his shot at the Rams more more often than not, especially during the Super Bowl. But that's a that's another thing to say. Uh, in any case, what I wanted to actually share on top, what made Tom Brady great? Because looking back on his career, I mean, he was, he was a sixth-round draft pick. Uh, 199th pick in the he, draft. Yeah, and he, he didn't start for, I mean, he started, he didn't start exclusively for his Michigan team. What made him great? Okay, because it certainly was not his physical, his physical prowess. I mean, that's, that's, that's definite. Okay, so I, I want to compare him uh, 
to other great players, uh, not not quarterbacks, but maybe other skill positions. So when you think of wide receivers, you think of Jerry Rice. You think of Jerry Rice. Larry and then, Fitzgerald. And then Cooper Cup. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe if he follows this up five five more years, more years. Our, five more years. Well, we we can we can. I'll, yeah, <laughs> you you threw me off on top of that one. But anyways, uh, for running backs, who do you think is 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 up is your top three for running backs? Well, for me, I, again, I'm going to be slanted towards the Rams. Eric Dickerson, Marshall Falk was the greatest one that I ever saw in person. Okay. Um, but the but the the leading rusher of all time. I mean, Emmitt Smith. Smith. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I mean, I I, I I think of Jim Brown. You know, he did it in nine years. I think I, I go back old school. I I I think of uh, Walter Payton. Mm-hmm. You know and you know, I, I of course I I look at Emmett Smith. I mean the the longevity on Barry, top of that. Barry Sanders. Barry Sanders. But you look at on the running back side. Okay, throw out Emmett Smith. Okay. Walter Payton won Super Bowl. Jim Brown won championship game uh, prior to the Super Bowl mm-hmm. era. era. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald on the wide receiver side. No Never super, won. no 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 Super Bowls. I mean, let's look at modern day. Your Aaron Donald, three-time defensive MVP, no Super Bowls yet. You know that might change in a couple of weeks. Uh, JJ Watt, three-time defensive, three defensive, defensive player of the year. You know, no Super Bowls. So it can't. It's it. It can't be Super Bowls that make it really. That really makes him. Even though Brady has has seven. So what is it about him? Being that he has all these Super Bowls, is it part and product with what's surrounded by him, being his teammates, his coach, and whatnot? I don't think so. When I see the eye test with Brady, it is more than just uh, what's surrounding him. Because he did this in two places. He did this in New England. He did this with uh, a varying amount of cast around him. You know, it wasn't consistent that uh, he had, like... Uh, Terry Bradshaw, if I can put that in, with Lynn Swan and Franco Harris, you know, when they won their four Super Bowls. You know, it wasn't Joe Montana and Jerry Rice, where Jerry Rice had two Super Bowls with him and then one later with, with Steve Young. Uh, you know, he, he, he did this with, with Edelman. Who, and who, Wes Welker. And Wes <laughs> Welker, who, who, who didn't even stay there that long. Uh, he, he had Gronk. He had really, he had Curtis Martin for a little while. He, to me, he had more, uh, more to say in, 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 on the Jets than at New England. Uh, really, his cast out there uh, wasn't as complimentary as, uh, per se, the other greats out there. Any to, of the other greats. Yeah. So to me, what made Tom Brady the GOAT was that he never thought of himself as the GOAT. There have been other quarterbacks out there who are anointed the GOAT. This is the second coming. You know, uh, I talk about Peyton Manning. I talk about, uh, to this day, uh, most recent class, uh, uh, Trevor Lawrence. Uh, way back when, it was Jeff George, you know, who had, who had that strong arm. Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck, who doesn't have anything. I think a lot of athletes nowadays... What they do is they come in with all these blessed type of uh, attributes as far as physical talents and skills and whatnot. But they take that for granted. I hearken to, to today's uh, game. Uh, Mahomes. I thought what he did at the halftime was, in my opinion, very greedy. I don't think Tom Brady, how great Tom Brady is. Would never have made that call. He would have got. He would have said, "Yes, let's go for the field goal." I don't think he goes for. You know, you're up twenty-one. I mean, you're up twenty-one to ten. To ten, time. yeah, at that time. Uh, you know, let's 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 bring it to fourteen. Uh, but arrogance, I think, and entitlement is what other quarterbacks and other players uh, look at more than actually trying to be the greatest of all time. Tom Brady had an off-season workaround that was. I'm gonna say unmatched, but unreal. I mean, he had he he dieted and everything like that. This guy took he took pay cuts, restructured his contracts because he knew he couldn't do it by himself. 
Even his uh, pending retirement, if, if it is this way, uh, he knew that he needed help. I mean, no other quarterback would have given Antonio Brown. No other quarterback. I mean, that is just too risky. Mm-hmm. Yet Tom Brady did that, invited him to his house because he knew a little bit of help. That's what you need. You need to be great in my opinion. You need to look at Tom Brady and the second most, uh, the second, uh, who has the second most Super Bowls uh, at, uh, at his skills position is Jerry Rice. You know, Jerry Rice came into me, uh, although he was a first round pick, he was the speedest receiver. He had 4 four seven speed. Mm-hmm. He, came, he came out of a uh, small school, small school business in Mississippi State. Exactly. Uh, but that guy was legendary for his offseason program. And that's why he lasted 20 years. And that's why Tom Brady lasted two years. Because they appreciated the game. Because they appreciated the position. You know, in this day of age with multi-million dollar contracts, you know, they look for how do I be, how can I become the best? What do I have to sacrifice to become the best? And they did it. I think a lot of focus on the players right now in this uh uh, social media type of climate is more about me, more about how much money can I get out of this contract. Building their brands. Exactly. Doing uh, what's in it for me rather than, you know, how can I... They don't come from the GM standpoint. How can I win the Super Bowl? And that's what makes Tom Brady the Special. gold. Yeah, Tom and Brady, what I, I completely gold. agree with you. I mean, 100%. We talked about it's the 199 draft pick. Physically... Not imposing at all. I mean, but yet he set every record in the mm-hmm. regular season, in the playoffs. He's won more games than anyone. He has more yards, more touchdowns, more completions in the regular season, in the playoffs. And he does that with hard work. And he does that with prioritizing the important things. Team, mm-hmm. individual sacrifice for team benefit. He was never, he's the greatest of all time. Seven Super Bowl champions. Never been a top five paid quarterback, ever, never. Now, the next quarterback free agent expects to be the best quarterback out there. And then they're going to sacrifice wins. You just cannot pay quarterbacks the way they do in today's day and age in a salary cup era and and win. You're just not. And who plays to 44 years old? The guy is physically better now than he was when he first came in Mm -hmm. and 199 draft pick. I mean, he's physically in better condition. He's revamped his whole lifestyle around diet, um, calisthenics, not weightlifting, but keeping him elastic to allow him to have a 22-year career. So you're right. Do we have players right now that are that young, that have that kind of prioritization and work ethic to sustain for a long period of time? Most of them, I don't want to say all, most of them look to maximize their brand as quickly as possible. And they get it too. Mm -hmm. You know, they get their way too. So if they choose to want to leverage that, like a $500 million contract for Patrick Mahomes for the next 12 years, is that conducive to building a team championship run? And we're going to see. I mean, we've seen now one in four years and his contract doesn't even kick in yet. Until next year. Mm-hmm. So next year is when they're going to have to start figuring out how, how to work it? around his yeah. $45 million contract. Yeah, exactly. And that's going to be a problem. And that's something that Tom Brady never did. Now, we alluded to the fact that he's married to a Giselle. But at the end of the day, how much money do you really need? Mm-hmm. You know, if you're making $20, 25000000 million a year for 10 years, that's $250 million with all of your endorsements and stuff. I think that's a healthy living. You don't have to make... 500 million. I think what he found is that there's tremendous value monetarily. You can monetize seven world championships. And that's something that our young players don't. They want to monetize their brand immediately. And championships give you value long term. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Jerry Rice is a great anal- an analogy because that's somebody that doesn't have the physical stature that worked his tail off. He's so famous for. We're going to take one day off and we're back to work in the off season. Mm-hmm. And he was always in the best condition. He lasted 20 years in a physically demanding position. So you are 100% correct, Ernie. Um, what separated Tom Brady from everyone else? And you know firsthand because he was a real pain in your Steeler side. He was. And as much as he doesn't play the Rams that often, 
He beat them the last two times they're in the Super Bowl over the last 20-something years. We've been there two times in the 2000s. Um, and he beat them both times. Once as a 14-point underdog. Oh, my goodness. But let me digress for that. So we'll talk a lot more about Tom Brady when he makes it official. Or we thought he was going to be official, but it's not quite official. And in respect to him, you just never know. He could change his mind. We'll wait to talk more about Tom Brady's retirement and his illustrious career after his official announcement. But for now, gang, we are two weeks away from Super Bowl in Los Angeles, California. If you're looking to go right now, the cheapest ticket is $6,424. I looked that up. I did look that up. $6,424 if you're looking to go to LA. So I think I'll be watching it on TV myself. But my Rams get to the Super Bowl with a heart-stopping 20-17 victory today over the San Francisco 49ers, the first time beating San Francisco in the last seven games. It was hysterical. Uh, and I can't believe that we're finally going to the Super Bowl. I got to thank Ernie. He did have faith with the Rams before yeah. the season started. Yeah. He had the Rams and the Steelers in the Super Bowl. I had Tampa Bay and Kansas City. I almost had Kansas City, but they failed. And now my Rams, three and a half point favorites over the Bengals. We'll break it down in big detail next week. We'll look at the Super Bowl matchups to look for what our prediction is going to be for the Super Bowl this year. We'll also have our all-star, NBA all-star rosters in place for you. So that's something to look forward to. But gang, it is Los Angeles Rams Sunday. And that's it for the Sports Rivals. But please check us out on social media, Sports Rivals Podcast on IG and Facebook. Sports Rivals Pod on Twitter. Tell us who you think is going to win the Super Bowl. Your thoughts. And I'll post a video of me after the game on our social media as well. But until next week... The Los Angeles Rams and the Sports Rivals are out. Thank you for joining us on the Sports Rivals podcast. Check us out on social media at Sports Rivals Podcasts on Instagram and at Sports Rivals Pod on Twitter, where you can share topics you'd like to hear.